Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I are joined by Chiefs color analyst and former wide receiver Danon Hughes. Danon, thanks so much for jumping on here. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be with you guys, especially as I know that when I'm on with you guys, football season's here, so that's a good thing. That's right, Danon. 83, ready? You ready to go? You, You and Mitch? You got your game yeah. faces on. You got the voices all <laughs> primed and ready to go. The vocal cords are loose. Tell us about, yeah. about what the ex- experience has been so far uh, getting back with the team. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, obviously football coming aboard and knowing that we have football hopefully until that second week of February is always going to be fun. And, and the fact that there's a new twist this year, last year because of COVID, we did not travel. So a lot of people may have thought we were in the booth at Vegas or in California or what have you, but we were actually in Arrowhead broadcasting all the games, whether they were home or away. So that was a little unique twist for me. I had done that already by uh, with college baseball for the Big Ten Network, but I had never done football that way, and I always wondered how that would go uh, because football is such a fast-paced sport. Could you really – keep up with it on the monitor and be able to call the game and it be in sync with the radio uh, frequencies and so on. And it went over. It was a big hit. Uh, Mitch and I really got some cool accolades from the league office because of how we were broadcasting because uh, we never said we were at the game, but we never said we weren't at the game. And we would always present it as if we were there while many other team broadcasts would mention we wish we were in Buffalo or we wish we were there with the team. And, you know, the, the listeners, they don't need to hear it, nor do they want to hear that. So uh, some of the protocols we had in place where we had to broadcast with our masks on and how our voices were still projected and just how we went about the game day uh, issues and the protocols and so on, the league came in and filmed us and sent it out to other teams and, so it was really cool for it to be my first year as a rookie broadcaster in the booth with the great Mitch Holtis, and then being able to go through those kind of experiences, navigate through all that traffic, and then have a successful season as well. It was just real cool all around, but it was, it was different. Wow, that's awesome insight, Dane. And God, I, you know, things that our listeners would, ne- would never know, obviously, and you're telling them that you, that you weren't there. What do you like better? I mean, honestly, is there, is, do you, you, you could be honest with us. Is it being there? There's nothing like right as a former player and smelling the popcorn and smelling the turf and all that stuff. I mean, right. I mean, it's, give us your insight yeah. on that. What, what do you, what do you like better? I mean, you know as well as I do, we get spoiled here in, in the Chiefs' kingdom. Anything at Arrowhead, a home game, is obviously the adrenaline flows differently, the barbecue smell, the, the tailgating, <laughs> the whole aura of a Chiefs' home game is amazing. I'm looking forward to getting to some of the new stadiums I had never been to, like Vegas and in Los Angeles. So yeah. those are going to be fun. Uh, Baltimore will go there as well, which I hadn't been there Uh also, so it's going to be unique, 
Uh, I think the fans and the energy in the stadium is going to be fun to be a part of. So I'm really looking forward to that. But I, I wouldn't, uh, I can't lie. The convenience of being able to go to Arrowhead on away games, call a game, not have to deal with traffic, not have to fly back home, all that. Like, that kind of spoiled me, too. So I know my wife probably would like that aspect of it, <laughs> but I think it's still going to be fun to get on the road and, and watch this Chiefs team try to go for a third consecutive Super Bowl. Totally. Great stuff there, Dayton. Uh, and we're going to be back talking about not only your job as a broadcaster, but also the 2021 Chiefs as they do try for their third straight uh, Super Bowl appearance. But first a word from our sponsor. If you're into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures, for who you think will win the championship, bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to bet online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Uh, Dan, I'm curious for your take for what you've seen. One of the interesting position battles uh, is Sammy Watkins having moved on to the Baltimore Ravens, who maybe that number two uh, receiver is, considering you know the team so well and you were a receiver yourself for the Chiefs. What, what do you, how do you think it's kind of shaping up? Uh, I especially like this guy, uh, Dries Fountain's really been showing off in, in, in these games. Well, I have to commend you first because obviously tackling the most important position in all of sports, that wide receiver, <laughs> you know, I think that's the best way to kick off this, this podcast because, you know, I know Joe V, he wants to talk about the old linemen, but we want, we'll put those guys on the back burner a little bit and talk about uh, the great wide receivers. <laughs> so, but so, Dana, yeah, Dana, real quick know. though, before you get started, I was a wide receiver that's right all right let's always keep that let's always keep that in mind with <laughs> with the exclamation point around wide but go ahead buddy i'm sorry i interrupted your your awesome insight to get a joke in there <laughs> yes you know what it, it, you know we definitely keep that in mind we know you have hands like wide receivers so it's all good <laughs> But I will say, to answer your question, Sammy Watkins was definitely a force. Unfortunately, he's now always had injury problems, and I think there was some de dependability factors that went into uh, his free agency and the Chiefs not really stepping up. I'm sure he'll do well in Baltimore. We'll see him, obviously, early in the season, and then there'll be some incentive in that game for him to showcase his skills. But he was a true number two receiver. When he was on the field, he was a true number two receiver and a threat as a number two receiver. Unfortunately, what, where we stand now, there's still a question mark at that number two receiver. McCall Hardman has been a guy that's been named. Uh, but me personally, I think he's still a number three. Mm -hmm. I think he can be a viable fourth. Uh, I get concerned with having two starting receivers that are under six foot. And that's what you would have with Tyreek Hill and McCall Hardman. So that opens the door for this offense. Byron Pringle is a guy that plays he pretty much as I feel like he's emulated my career. He's been a special teams guru uh, for most of his career, kind of blue collar, a guy that you never knew whether he'd be active or inactive from week to week. But every time he shows up, he seems to make plays. 
so that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Plus, he's a little bit bigger at six foot two. Uh, he plays more physical, kind of like Sammy Watkins. So I think we'll see more of him. I don't know if the answer will be uh, shown by week four. And Joe V, you know, we everybody recognizes the season in quarters. So the first four games, the second four games, first quarter season, second quarter of the season, et cetera. I think in the first four games, we'll probably see a hodgepodge of receivers that will be the number two, if you say, uh, if you want to tag them that way. But I think it's going to be mainly down to McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle. Doris Fountain has really shown himself uh, strongly in the preseason so far. And he's another taller receiver that has a knack for getting open deep. Uh, if you've watched the preseason game for the Chiefs, they've really made a concerted effort to throw fade routes. Uh, that is one aspect of this offense. It's crazy to say because it's been so uh, high-powered high with Patrick Mahomes. But that's one aspect of this offense we've never seen, a fade route to a wide receiver. Um, and I think they've tried to address that with the bigger bodies. And Marcus Kemp is another bigger receiver. Um, so there's about six guys in the mix. It's going to make it interesting to see how that's going to unfold with active and inactive each week. Mm -hmm. My guy Fountain, I mean, he's played so well, but and there's a lot of guys in the mix. Um, do you think, what do you think his uh, chances, his shot at making the, the roster? I, and I'm sure they'd be better if he, you know, had played at Iowa, not Northern Iowa. But even given that, what are his chances? <laughs> I think his chances have really continued to elevate throughout this preseason. Uh, early on, there was some, some talk about him, some chatter, and then he really had a nice game against the 49ers came back and did really well in this last preseason game against the Cardinals. He's kind of elevated himself. And the big decision is with Byron Prince. guy that you want to take off of special teams and put him focusing on the offense. And that's kind of, that was kind of my role. There were games I started as a wide receiver. There were games I played the number three receiver. And then there were games where I played sparingly on offense, but I was, 100% focused throughout my career on special teams. I think that dynamic of is Doris Fountain going to elevate his game to the point where they're going to put Byron Pringle and keep him relegated more so to special teams because he's a special teams ace, or are they going to flip-flop where, where Doris is going to step up as a special teams guy? Uh, those are the questions I think get answered throughout this preseason, but I, at this point I fully expect Doris Fountain to be on this team. Dana, from a depth perspective, do you think Cornell Powell's a lock as a fifth-round pick? I mean, is that going back to the draft now and the investment that teams make and the way that Brett Beach's drafts have gone in the past? Do you think he's a lock and he just needs to learn? I mean, obviously, he had a great career at Clemson and, you know, powerhouse team. He's got the experience. Do you think he's a lock and they'll just, they're going to work with him and get him ready to, to have a future? Uh, I don't think he's a lock. I actually think he may be relegated to practice squad. Okay. Uh, early on, uh, he hasn't shown, at least in the games, he hasn't shown himself to step out. Like the, when the, the lights are shining on him, he hasn't shown that ability. And considering how deep this wide receiver core is, I just don't know if you would have him be a guy that would take up one of those roster spots, game day roster spots, uh, or inactives. I think you might have him be a guy that's on practice squad, kind of like Byron Pringle was. Mm -hmm. And then you elevate him when the time comes or based on any injury. 
If you look at the course of the seasons, Tyreek Hill, uh, I don't believe, has played 16 games in the last couple of years. Uh, there have been guys, obviously Sammy Watkins, who's now departed, did not play 16 games. So we've had a tendency to have guys go down. So to me, uh, in his situation, I think he would bode well. Obviously, the team thinks highly of him to draft him uh, to stay on practice squad here versus looking at possible greener pastures elsewhere. I don't know if that would be a smart move. Plus, as a wide receiver, like unless you're going to Green Bay or you're going down to Tampa, like why would you not want to play and develop and learn under Patrick Mahomes? Uh, but with, with where we are in the depth, I kind of feel like he might be a guy that's going to be on practice squad. God, you bring up a great point, Dana, about that special relationship with a quarterback. Uh, you know, something that we've never really talked about on our podcast. We, you know, we talk a lot, obviously. I'm going to go back to our comment about offensive line play. We do talk a lot about the chemistry of the offensive line, and especially this year, because I can lend some support there to, to what we're doing. But that's, tell us about that special relationship with a quarterback. Why, why, why is that important? And, you, you know, you, you just kind of said it, right? Why would you leave unless you're going to play with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, somebody established like that? Why would you leave a Patrick Mahomes? What does it mean? What does it mean to have a QB like him? And what is the relationship like from the inside? You see it, right? You're there in the stadium now at the games. You, you're on the field. You're, you're, you're close to it. Tell us about that relationship with a quarterback and a receiver and why it's so important. I think uh, obviously one of the best decisions I ever made was uh, being a roommate of my college roommate, my college quarterback, being a roommate on the road. So I kind of know firsthand that you get snuggled close up to a quarterback. <laughs> that's always going to bode well for you, not just from an X's and O's standpoint, but from a relational standpoint so that you garner the trust of the quarterback that they know that anytime they throw you the ball, it's either going to be an incomplete pass, it's going to be a complete pass, but it'll never be an interception. And to me, with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who likes to throw the ball all over the lot, the no-look passes, the throwing back across his body, et cetera, you need to know that that receiver is, one, on the same page with you, and two, he's not going to make you look bad, especially with his effort. Um, I think what you've seen with Travis Kelsey being a favorite target of Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, we've seen big plays, left-handed throws to Tyreek Hill. I don't know if he'd throw that to every receiver. That, you know, back across his body to Travis Kelsey multiple times every season when he's scrambling out of the pocket. I don't know if that he's throwing that to the backup tight ends, Nick Kaiser and Blake Bell and whoever else is out there. So there's something to be said about being close to your quarterback, not just on the field, but off the field. Because all, when it's all said and done, just like you know as an offensive lineman, if you're playing tackle, you need to have the full trust of that guard and the center and the calls that come from Grunny and et cetera. Um, but the one thing I do know about Patrick Mahomes, we played with Joe Montana, obviously one of the greatest. I thought he was the greatest for all these years. Tom Brady, Sorry, I had to put him above based on what his body of work has shown itself to be. But Patrick Mahomes is different from those other guys in that every receiver is a viable receiver on every single play. Uh, in our offense, in the West Coast offense, you had your progression. Your number one, number two, number three, throw it away, or Kimball out of the backfield. Now with Patrick Mahomes, he's scrambling around. You could have been a backside receiver just running a go route to clear things out and cut across the middle of the field and catch a 40-yard pass 
because that's the way he's rolling. Uh, as, as the wide receiver, we salivate at that opportunity to know that every single time I break the huddle, that I can be a viable receiver and I'm playing with a great quarterback. So I could be on the highlights. I could be on ESPN. I can, you know, I can get a, a contract, uh, you know, I can get put, put big numbers up, et cetera, because of the greatness of that quarterback. So I think it's a very unique position to be playing with Patrick Mahomes, knowing that at any time on the field, you can be that viable receiver and make a big play. Wow. Great analysis, Dayton. Really good stuff there. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to the website balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code Believe B L E A V at checkout to get in on that promotion. I know I will. It worked for him. It can work for you. Uh, Danan, it's cool that the listeners won't be able, obviously, to see this. They can just hear it. But when you're gesturing to see your hands, to see that that Chiefs Super Bowl rig is very, very cool. Uh, <laughs> Joe, jo, and it's so awesome. Danan has basically the great Len Dawson, the guy you work with, he has basically kind of su- succeeded him as as the color guy on, on radio broadcasts, Joe, do you remember when Danon was your teammate? Did you like, do you think, man, this is a guy who after his career, he's, he's going to be in media. Like this guy had, was there something you saw in him? Well, of course. I mean, Danon is a student of the game and he's talked about that before, right? It, it, with our podcasting and, and, and being a guest on the show. And Danon was always somebody who, who, Number one, he was no one was going to outwork Danan. No one was going to understand the game better than Danan, and that gave him all the intangibles to have, you know, to have a great career. So, and and he and he could do it all, right? Special teams, uh, you know, being out there, you know, catching passes from Joe Montana. I mean, it's 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 it, Danan set himself up for this, right? And and then and then you hear that voice, you hear that smooth, silky voice, <laughs> you see that handsome face, and it's a no, it's a no brainer. It's a no-brainer that he has has succeeded the the the, the great Lenny Smooth, uh, yes. you know, in in doing that. And and now, Dana, we're we're like so proud of you, man, that you're out there doing it, and just representing. You know, all the players have gone through the organization, and and what a great job you do with Mitch. And you guys are such a good team. You complement each other Thank so you. well, and uh, it's a it's a blast. It's a blast. I, I turn anytime the game was on a national broadcast i'm going on the internet and i'm pulling up dane and mitch i'm not listening to any of those yahoos on on espn or anything <laughs> like that i just was thinking with the bounce seven i think maybe dane and i might if we get a little get a couple uh orders a couple cases of that maybe dane and i'll go back out and play <laughs> uh, oh dane, yeah right dane well, looks I'm, like I'm a little better myself yeah <laughs> but, i appreciate no, but, those words man I, I i've definitely been blessed uh you know throughout my career kind of 
you know, the story of being drafted on a broken foot and being a seventh round pick and just grinding and battling and then staying in the media during my days as a, as a chief with the radio show weekly and then moving on into post-game and pre-game shows and college and high school, just kind of grinding all the way up the ladder. And, you know, what, what a great, great way to kind of hit the pinnacle, I guess you can say, is to be able to be in the booth with Mitch Holtis, who was calling plays while I was there, calling my touchdown, touchdown Kansas City, associating that with me at different times uh, late in my career when he took over, and then in the booth knowing Len Dawson, Kendall Gammon, myself, uh, being in that lineage. And, you know, not that I'm a boastful person, as you guys know, but, you know, I'm the first uh, African-American to be in the booth with the Chiefs. Uh, to my knowledge, I'm the only uh, a former athlete that's a color analyst for college baseball, college football, college basketball, and for an NFL team. Uh, and all of those being major college conferences. Uh, so it's really been a blessing. I always paid attention. I was a multi-sport athlete growing up. For anybody listening, don't let any coaches tell you to specialize. I hate that. I hate the word specialization. That's been a part of a lot of sports where kids are, are feeling pressured at 13, 14, 15 years old to pick a sport and pick a position. And that's where you're going to be for the rest of your career, whether it ends in high school or college. Uh, I think specializing is the worst thing to happen for any kind of athlete in their development. I played all three sports. I got my, my start in the NFL after being on practice squad by punt returning my rookie year. And I, had, and I don't know if you knew this, Joe, I never punt returned in my life. I never would have guessed that, Dana. Yeah, Marty asked me, to punt return. And obviously, what do you tell a coach when he asks you to do something? Yeah, I can do it. And part of the reason I was able to be successful as a punt return is because I knew how to judge fly balls as a baseball player. And I knew how to turn. If you see some of my movements when the ball was punted, some of the anticipation of which angle it was going, it was really based on how I would look at a batter in the batter's box. Um, so uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to carry on and keep one foot in the locker room by calling these games, calling it for my beloved Chiefs, and uh, being in the booth with a, a future Hall of Famer, no doubt, and Mitch Holtis, it's just been amazing. I know that uh, Len Dawson keeps a pretty low profile these days after doing so much. Did you get a chance to talk to him before taking this job? Did he give you any tips or anything like that? I had not. Len, I think, is, is battling through some health issues and has right. been. So I hadn't really seen him, especially over these last two years with COVID. But Kendall Gammon and I are, are, are really cool. Uh, I played with Kendall my last preseason in the NFL in 99. He and I were together in New Orleans. So uh, I got to know him then, and we've carried on a friendship all the way through these years. And, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, it's football. And it's yeah. something that I don't see the game any better than any fan. I just see it differently. I'm sure, Joe, you and I, we watch a game. We'll see things that general fans just don't see. We'll recognize things, how the moving parts are happening and the schemes and who missed blocks, who made the key block in real time. And I, I, I'm fortunate because now I'm in a position where I can relay that to the general audience. And that's kind of how things unfold. That's where Mitch and I have a really good relationship relationship 
is that I'm able to point stuff out, put paint some color on things that maybe the general public would not have seen or recognized. And uh, that's kind of one of those challenging aspects of being a broadcaster that I really bite into is, you know, anybody can point out McCole Hardman makes a catch. Tyreek Hill has a big run after the catch. Everybody can see that, but what also transpired to make that happen? And uh, to me, that's, that's, that's what I aspire to be is that kind of color analyst that is able to portray that message. That, that's what fans want to hear. That's what they, they want to look at. You want to direct their attention to all those intricacies, right? Any, like you said, anybody can follow the camera, right? The yeah. camera view, uh, you know, gives you exactly what's going on, but it's those little things, the subtle things of a, of a block here or, you know, a missed assignment there or why things are penalties, why they're not like, it's all those little things. And Dana, one of the things that, that Jeff and I talked about on the show a lot is, you know, when you get to the level at the NFL, what happens is for players is, and I think the reason why players get to that level, it's not even so much that it's their physical attributes that get them there. Cause you know, everybody who plays major college has most of the physical attributes mm-hmm. to me, the one differentiating point between people who play at a certain level and some who don't make it to a certain level is the ability for the game to be slowed down to a point where they can react differently than somebody else might in that situation. And I always use this analogy. I remember I, I, I liken it to this time I was watching this show on like the Discovery Channel, <laughs> a- Animal Planet, and they were talking about flies and the reason why it's so hard to kill a fly. And it's because flies' metabolisms are so high that a fly swatter coming at them is actually coming at them in slow motion. Mm. Even though you might be swinging at full speed, they see it in slow motion because their metabolism's high and they have a different skill set, right? And to me, that's what like Patrick Mahomes, when he's out on the field, things are actually to to what might be happening to a, a, we'll call it a normal person who's not playing in the NFL. To him, things are almost happening in slow motion. And that's why he can do the things he do. He does. And I think that's what, why you can see the game so differently and point things out in real time that a fan might miss because it's happening so fast. Remember yeah. your fir- remember your first day on the sidelines at an NFL, even though, look, Danny, you played at Iowa, you know, I was blocking Biff McNutty from Harvard, and, you know, <laughs> you're playing in the Big Ten. But like, but, like, for me, that first day was like, oh, my God, this yeah. game is fast. And then ultimately, you know, you kind of settle in and you get used to it. And you start to see things a little more slowly. But that's what I think you do and why you do it so well is you it's, it's everything's happening in slow motion for you because of, of, of your skills and your background. So I just want to throw that out there as something that, you know, maybe maybe you'd agree with to say, yeah, yeah, I can kind of see that. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad to know that that uh, that little tidbit about the flies, because I always thought that it was because I was slowing down and my hand speed wasn't what it was, what it was really at. And that's why those flies were getting away from my slaughter. But now you've given me a built in excuse. So exactly. I, I'm feeling better about myself right now. Exactly. <laughs> you get it. Believe in chiefs. You yeah. know, sometimes people listen to this pod for 
Chiefs information is mostly for the science. Yeah. But uh, Danon, before we wrap up here, uh, as you're calling this game, the first game at, at Arrowhead, and what, what kind are you looking for? What are your kind of main storylines uh, for this game? Yeah, I think the number one storyline uh, across the NFL, across all sports in regards to the Chiefs is the protection up front. Because of how things unfolded in the Super Bowl, that was a debacle. Patrick Mahomes running for his life, nearly 500 yards that he ran, you know, backwards and sideways and scrambling because the protection wasn't there. You revamp. I mean, when was the last time, and I'll, I'll give you the answer to this question, never, but when was the last time you've ever seen a Super Bowl team go to another Super Bowl with, an, with a completely different offensive line, then go and try to get to a third Super Bowl and have a total complete uh, different offensive line in which the likely starters from center to right guard to right tackle will all be rookies. Yeah. All three positions will be first year rookies uh, and, and starting along this offensive line. And the other two positions are free agents that we picked up in the off season. It's never been heard of before. And yet this team with that total revamping is still uh, a favorite to go back to the Super Bowl. That's never happened before. So I think everybody is going to be fixated on how are we keeping number 15 clean in the pocket? How are we keeping him comfortable? I think there's been a method to the madness in regards to how Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy have approached this preseason with regards to Patrick Mahomes, how much he's played in the preseason when you have other teams that are not even starting their quarterbacks or a lot of their offensive stars. That's not been the case with the Chiefs. Part of that is because they want him to have real live comfort in the pocket and awareness with this new stable of guys up front with the offensive line. So uh, I think it's going to be essential against the Browns who, you know, they have Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett coming off the edges, two guys that at, at different times of their career were probably considered the best rushers in the NFL. And you got Patrick Mahomes that the last we saw of him, he was running for his life. Uh, so I think that's going to be one of those storylines that everybody's going to be watching is how many times does he take a hit? How comfortable does he look in the pocket? And, and is he going to be back to the form that has carved up defenses for the last three years? That's great analysis, Dana. And we're, Joe and I certainly have been talking about that a lot because I think that is the major uh, focal point here and not only going into the last preseason game, but going obviously into week There's one. some O-line love for you, Joe, right yeah, there. Thanks, Dana. You got <laughs> it all. You know That's everything. all for you. You're a student of the game. You, you know <laughs> it all. You know it all. <laughs> thanks, Dana. It's awesome having you on, buddy. And we're looking forward to the season and hearing you and Mitch. You give Mitch our best. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing, hearing, hearing you guys call the games this season at, at Arrowhead and all those cool stadiums that you get to travel to. Exactly. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys both for having me. Hopefully we'll be talking about a, another Super Bowl edition and me jumping on later this year. So that'll be fun as well. Absolutely. And for the Chiefs listeners out there, you can hear Danon Hughes uh, calling every game on the Chiefs radio network. He's the color commentator. And if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.